0: I had an opportunity to come back to Dr. Nevin just as a quick follow-up and uh, take a couple of moments just to, to get uh, her perspective on uh, the system, uh, vulnerable communities, the role of various uh, analog or digital solutions uh, in this moment of COVID. So Dr. Nevin is is back with me. Dr. Nevin, thank you. I, I know uh, your time does not come uh, cheap or easy right now. I know how in demand you are and, and how much you're uh, time and attention is with, with your staff and your colleagues. So, thank you for jumping on for a few minutes.
1: Thank you, David. Happy to participate.
0: Dr. Never, we, as we were kind of gathering before we hit the record button here, I, I thought you shared a really interesting perspective. And I'd like to invite you just to share that as a response to the question that I, I know everybody would be most interested in uh, your perspective uh, on. How are you doing? How is the system? How are your caregivers? Just kind of give us a little bit of the state of play.
1: Thank you, David. And I appreciate the opportunity to share some of what we've been experiencing. COVID came to us uh, in the middle of March and we were ready. We had been preparing for several months, expecting that we would get uh, our fair share of COVID. And so it was really extraordinary in those first um, couple of weeks. To see how much work was done. We did things that I don't think we had ever imagined were possible. We exceeded our own expectations and, literally, uh, in a matter of days, converted Christianity Care into a COVID 19 public health hospital, uh, if you will. Our caregivers, absolutely extraordinary, inspiring first priority for us as leaders to make sure that they had the resources that they needed to take care of patients and to take care of each other. And so implemented a number of programs right from the very beginning to really support our caregivers, uh, to make sure that they were safe. Had all of the same challenges that I think hospitals around the country have had with regard to availability of PPE, with our approach to testing. But again, extraordinary work by our leaders here, Acquire PPE, to take an evidence-based and I would say effective and inclusive approach uh, to testing. So where we are now is essentially we have seen the curve flatten and plateau. So we are still busy with COVID-19 at Christianity care. But the good news is that we seem to have topped off we haven't yet seen a decline but we are in in a good place and you know this has been really hard it's been very hard work one of the ways that i have talked about this is this isn't a sprint it isn't a marathon this is in fact a triathlon we jumped into the water a couple of months ago and i can see the shore i can see the end of that first swimming event and we need to start getting ready to hop on the bike.
0: I, I just, I think that is such a, a remarkable corollary. A feature of triathlons, of course, is that it, it tests the endurance of, of a bunch of different muscle groups in the body. And so it, what, it, what it requires is a more holistic, well-rounded, conditioned system Uh, to be able to meet the challenge of that triathlon. And I've been impressed in so many ways at how both society and the health system have adapted. And I've also been interested in how many gaps or or defects have been just uh, really exposed through this process. And I, I know we all have come to recognize and appreciate how much the world will change during this period and, and be changed after this period. I wanna kind of link back to our last discussion a bit. And you were recently quoted as saying, uh, quote, we are imagining how we deliver care to deliver health, not just health care to the people we serve, close quote. As a result of, of COVID, uh, we, we know that the idea that you espoused is more important than ever Janice, what are the different things you've had to do to shift organizationally in service of your patients, your staff, the community, to to really try to to drive and ensure safety uh, and health across that continuum?
1: One of the quotes that I have uh, carried with me for a number of years now is a quote from Peter Drucker, who says, the question that faces the strategic decision-maker is not what the organization should do tomorrow. It is what we have to do today to be ready for an uncertain tomorrow. And I look at the work that we were doing uh, pre-COVID that was very much about impacting the health of all the people in the communities that we serve, thinking of new ways to deploy technology, to create value, improve health, and at the same time reduce costs to create affordability, the work that we were doing in health equity, the growth that we've had in primary care and virtual primary care. So we entered mid-March and entered COVID-19 with a very strong platform that I believe has allowed us to be successful in managing through the pandemic. I think most important uh, is our mission. It's the Christiana Care way. It's about serving our neighbors. It's about taking care of people. And if you look at what has happened around the country, not only here uh, in Delaware, Maryland, but around the country, hospitals, large, small, urban, rural, academic, really all stepped up and very quickly became a key part of the public health infrastructure. And it comes back to mission because uh, that has long been our mission. It's been about serving communities, and that's served us well in the past. It's serving us well now, and it will serve us well as we think about the future. At Christiana Care a few years ago, we did some work around our values and the behaviors that support them, and you and I talked about that, David, when we first got together. I am so grateful that we had those values in place. We serve together, guided by our values of excellence and love. We serve together. I can't think of a moment in my career when it hasn't been more important to serve together. And that has been our experience. And of course, when you serve together, you don't have to serve alone. And that has been critical as we've thought about this, not only from the perspective of our caregivers, but also as we think about our community. Excellence is in our DNA. We do a really good job of taking care of complex, sick patients. And we have done that as we have cared for some very sick patients here at Christiana Care, sick with COVID-19. I've just been um, amazed at the expertise of our physicians, our nurses, the entire care team, uh, that's literally saving lives every day. Love is something that doesn't get talked about much in healthcare, but I'm so grateful that during this time, we at Christiana Care can talk about love. You've heard me say where love leads, excellence is inevitable. And it's because love makes it an imperative to do the really hard things. And the last two months have all been about doing really hard things. And those values that we had in place have really come to life over the last couple of months, have been a source of strength and a source of inspiration. And I'm just so grateful that they were there for us and that we can continue um, to reach them and depend on them as we think about the future.
0: It's just—it's a tremendous exemplar of uh, when, when an organization is is living its values from the, the CEO to uh, all of his or her colleagues. What an impact that has in in being able to 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 be a source of strength, to produce strength at a moment where you're you, you've got to do a triathlon and you have to work all those muscle groups. And I suspect that living values is a is a key ingredient to building that muscle to, to be ready and to be prepared.
1: Yeah, we did that work specifically because we knew healthcare was being disrupted. But, you know, the disruptions were coming from retail and new entrance into the technology world. And and they were there for us to to sort of be resilient as an organization and to thrive in times of great uncertainty. Who knew that it would be COVID-19 that would be the the biggest disruptor uh, of this century to date? And, you know, one of the real challenges of managing COVID-19 has been the uncertainty. There's so much that we do know, and the good news is it feels like every day and week we know more and more, but there's still a lot that we don't know about um, this virus. And it's definitely created challenges around communication and understanding best practice. And so, you know, living in this world in which we're currently living, where there's a fair amount of uncertainty, uh, where there's a significant amount of change, you know, having those values in place really, really helpful.
0: I love that. Will you just comment a bit on the role in which non-traditional systems like like digital infrastructure, telemedicine, have had or played an impact? We've we found in our family that over the last 45 days or so for our children and for ourselves, that, that obviously, like we've literally only had uh, televisits with our clinicians. And, and then universally, in every single case, uh, the clinician will uh, present themselves and they'll ta- will, will, will become introduced or will catch up. And they'll make the comment that, that they had an aversion to doing this before, but now that they've had to do it and, and do it in a sustained way, that they kind of enjoy it. And it, it makes you think that that not only is there going to be a, a shift in our, in the country's social compact in the way we think about and interact, but that we we might finally be getting to a place in healthcare where we'll start to rethink delivery. Are are you seeing that same idea manifest? And how is how digital or again those non traditional things played a role for you all during this period?
1: So I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's been absolutely fascinating. You've heard me say that our, our mantra at Christian Care has been everything that can be digital will be, and everything that can be delivered in the home will be delivered in the home. And we imagine that that would be the core of the next two to three years of work. And literally in a matter of weeks, we have <laughs> accelerated right. that strategy. I mean, several hundred thousand percent in the work that we're doing. So, you know, like many health systems, and, and again, good news that we had a platform in place. So we had some experience with doing virtual care. We had Care which is our robust data platform with predictive analytics and uh, the ability to set alerts and, and care for populations at risk. So we, we have taken advantage of all of that. And we now have a virtual medical group. Uh, we do more visits now in a day using virtual technology than we did in a month prior to COVID nineteen. Wow. Uh, and not just primary care, but also we have access to specialists. And I agree with you. I, you know, I, one of my colleagues said that now the genie is out of the bottle there's no way it's going back in because clinicians who are skeptical about virtual care have found that, that it is a great way uh, to take care of patients. And patients you know, love it. They can stay and get what they need in their home. So that has been uh, transformational. And of course, the challenge will be making sure that we continue to leverage all of the work that we've done, all the learnings that we've had to continue to build something that is even better as we go forward. The other thing that we had at Christiana Care, again, existing platform, we created a COVID-19 virtual monitoring program with CareVO as the platform using secure texting to regularly connect several times a day with patients at home who had tested uh, positive for COVID-19, patients who were waiting for their test results, patients who were being discharged uh, from the hospital after a COVID-19 stay. You know, it gave us the opportunity to literally have multiple contacts. And as symptoms escalated, we could then escalate the care to a virtual visit. And the provider, um, the physician, could then help manage that, that patient, either direct them to the appropriate Um, place for care or give them advice about uh, what they needed to do uh, to be able to stay at home. We are actually now selling that monitoring program to some local employers. One of the other things we did with that program is we made it available to all of our caregivers, all 13,000 plus, and said, look, if you would like to do this, you're more than welcome to do it. It's free. And if it helps you feel more confident about uh, being at home, being at work, uh, we want you to be able to access this um, technology. We've deployed literally, I think, almost 1,500 iPads and iPhones in our facilities and in the homes of patients uh, that we serve. So we are doing a a ton of home monitoring. Uh, Again, these were all things that we had thought about doing uh, to some extent we're doing. And we have accelerated them, you know, beyond our our wildest dreams. And I think, you know, one of the things that has so clearly been hard during this time has been the physical distancing, the social distancing. And we've had patients who are in our hospital who are really sick and they can't have a loved one at their bedside. And using this technology to create those human connections has been uh, really critical and I think you know we have learned an incredible amount about the the value the potential of uh, using technology to care for people I also think we have learned how important those human to human interactions are so as we build a future that incorporates all of this you know I think we have to pay attention to it all.
0: Really well said. I mean, I've started having a cocktail once or twice a week on Zoom with a colleague because, you know, we don't go out for drinks
1: anymore. We yeah, and, yeah. and
0: really don't know when that's going to be a thing again. So I, I think that's, that's incredibly prescient.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the other learning has been that healthcare is complex, health systems are highly complex organizations, people are complex, and care, therefore, is complex. And so we have to make sure when we're using technology to solve problems that we understand it's in the context of this extremely complex experience that people have when it comes to their health and to the care.
0: The two to three year time horizon you shared earlier and in our last discussion is, is, I think, an important one. And I just want to test a quick idea with you there's obviously going to be two periods of pretty significant financial duress and impact, particularly for health systems. One is the COVID phenomenon itself, which, as you said, remains uncertain and a bit open-ended. And then the second is going to be the recession that, that imposes a really material shift in a higher number of Medicaid beneficiaries and lower reimbursement rates with the contraction uh, in commercial. And that that's going to, I think, start to put a lot of pain and pressure on that, on this brick and mortar, you know, fixed assets, underwriting we've been, we've been kind of trying to do for a long time. Do you think that that financial pressure on the system will also continue to motivate and, and incentivize or accelerate uh, this transition? Do you think we'll get closer To that world you described, and and being able to do everything we can do in the home, in the home, and begin to shed some of the perhaps less necessary or increasingly less necessary hard assets.
1: Absolutely. We have an opportunity in this moment that never comes along to really rebuild our delivery system for it to be what we have imagined it could be. I think, you know, as I thought about COVID-19, and you've heard me talk about it today, you know, what are those constants that we we always want to hold on to, our mission and our values? What have we learned, particularly when it comes to the use of technology by providers and, and by patients? We want to make sure we pull all of that through. I think there are two places where we have an opportunity, and one is with regard to disparities. COVID 19 has exacerbated existing disparities in vulnerable communities. We must, as healthcare providers, as part of a, a kind and just society, work together to resolve those disparities. We've done work in our Spanish speaking communities, in African American communities, to really sort of make sure that. They have access to testing, but even more importantly, to uh, culturally appropriate, language appropriate education and care. There's a great opportunity for us as we we are partnering with these communities to really have a a conversation that perhaps hasn't taken place before about how we work together to make sure that going forward, uh, everyone has access to care, everyone has access to health. I think the other key opportunity that we have is to be mindful about about sort of the value, the cost as we rebuild um, our delivery system. Like every other hospital health system in the country, this has created a financial challenge. I'm quite confident that we will find our way out of this. But we need to ensure that as we build back, we're building in a way that creates a more efficient, more affordable, and more effective uh, delivery system of care. And absolutely, it will be about how to do that from an asset light perspective, using teams in ways that we now know can be really effective and using technology to really support what, what people need when it comes to health and care.
0: Every person had this the same experience through this where they they recognized that this was not a flash in the pan. It wasn't just going to go away and that the future the future was going to look very different, but but, but there was a but it was fraught with uncertainty. And I remember at that moment for me, And suddenly I felt very vulnerable uh, because of the uncertainty of the future. But as I've gone through this period, I've also come to realize that living in quarantine when you have resources is unbelievably different than those that don't. And so many people over the world and certainly so many people in this country have had their lives wrecked by this that will expand the level of vulnerability we have in this country. Is there an opportunity for us to collectively think differently? For, for those of us that, that try to shape the system in the way you've described, how can we use this period, our learned experiences, to supercharge our values, to, to extend our values in a way that allow us to build a system that really does focus on better equity and parity than the one we had?
1: I think it's our imperative, you know, everyone has experienced this in a very personal way and, and, and in, many, in, in different ways. And I think we have to be thoughtful, intentional about all of the learnings um, from this experience and using those learnings as we think about the future. I don't see how we can continue to ignore some of the disparities that we know have existed in vulnerable communities. I believe that we have now, in a very transparent way, seen the impact of those disparities. You know, if you don't have access to care, if you don't have the ability to do some of what you talked about around isolating, if you don't have masks, if you don't have food, if you don't have a roof over your head, if you're addicted to opioids, it is uh, imperative as a society that we come together and use this experience to solve those issues in ways that are impactful and, and make a difference. And, and again, it goes back to what we, you know, what, the question that you and I just talked about. You know, we have to build a delivery system that's accessible and is affordable, shame on us. And and I've sort of said that here, you know, shame on us if we build something and then have to turn around and say, okay, now let's take cost out. Let's build something now that truly can make a difference and make sure that all of the people who live in all the communities that we serve have improved health and access to care.
0: Amen. There's literally nothing we are doing right now that we couldn't have done a year ago or two years ago or or six months ago. And there's a shame on us dynamic to that because uh, we should have been in service of patients and the cost of the system. And if there's any silver lining in this moment, despite all the incredible human suffering we know is occurring and will occur, it's hopefully that this crisis will allow us to seize the moment to do exactly that and to build a new system, and, and I know those that have listened to you are gratified to know that you're a part of that change, and thank you so much for recording a few more minutes. Thank you for the work that you're, you're doing for your colleagues and communities in Delaware, and we'll look forward to hearing more in the coming months.
1: Thank you, David. Take care.